Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, baby. It's back again. Financial fair play. We hate it on this podcast when it comes around. Me and Jim especially. I don't know why that is, but me and Jim especially hate it on here, don't we? Jim? Singled out. We're singled out, lad. Mm. Dan, what do you think? Because you you don't get any um, of the shit. Well, yeah, we're, we're we're squeaky clean. I mean, it probably helps that our owners take more <laughs> out themselves than we spend. So. Um, no, but all, all jokes is that I think we actually mentioned last week about we were talking about Chelsea spends and then we were laughing saying that City are the bastions of FFP and a week later we're talking about them again. So there we go. Well, it comes around quickly. It does. Jim, what what do you make of the whole thing? Well, for the first thing, I've seen a late message from someone in another WhatsApp group saying, oh dear, and I thought it was just a late response from our performance yesterday at Spurs, which was pretty shocking. <laughs> go on Twitter and see all the accusations and stuff so yeah from what I understand it is um, City have been accused of breaching 100 Premier League breaches um, multiple different rules regarding to finances um, those rules that we've broken mainly being not cooperating with the league in their investigations which are quite a lot of the cases um, thrown at us not Paying, paying players more than what we say we're, we're paying them or not disclosing the amount that we're paying them properly was, I think that was like 50 of the cases. Um, there was like 12, the same rule, but with managers. Um, it's all stuff that we've heard before from City and I think it's stuff that UEFA, when they had the trial with UEFA in 2020 and when they got the two-year ban that was overturned <laughs> by Cass, it's pretty much all you've read before, but the Premier League have done it a four-year investigation and I've come up with these a substantial amount of cases over 100 cases like I've just said which is yeah a lot um, but yeah I think from what I understand of it Stanley's just nothing new in terms of what you think City have been doing in terms of not disclosing how much they're paying players and managers and not disclosing how much of the sponsorship money has been coming in we all know it's dodgy but now they've looks like they're going to pay the price, but to me, it's just going to be another thing that drags on for years and years. So it'll be interesting to see what the next steps are after this, these accusations and city statement. Yeah. So obviously punishments who've said can span from anything from a fine, I mean, all the way to relegation from the Premier League. So, I mean, I'll, well, I guess it depends on how many charges uh, are proven, if, if any at all, or how many breaches are proven. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, like you say, we all know it's dodgy. Um, but, I mean, I, I think after what happened with the UEFA stuff and City taking the Avengers over to uh, Cass uh, and it being overturned or, or not overturned, well, appealed successfully, I suppose you could say, which it was. Uh, uh, and the main reason being is that a lot of the uh, evidence he found was was actually time-barred, which they're saying in this case, well, this might not be the case in this one. And also the current Premier League rules say that you can't go to Cass, which uh, I don't know why. Seems a little bit odd that you can't appeal it. Or there's no, I'm sure there is a form of appeal, but probably just not to the Court of Arbitration of Sport, which <laughs> may, may yeah, make it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, it looks like it is going to an independent regulator. And it's like, I yeah. think I read that they've brought in, they've recently just brought in a new Premier League independent regular. So um, 
I don't know if they, they knew this was coming, the old guy, and thought, nay, I'm getting out of here before I have to deal with all this. <laughs> but this is like the first job for this new set of, this new board set of members, well, whatever they are, which actually, is quite funny. Thinking about that, you just reminded me, uh, obviously that was Tracy Crouch, wasn't it, who after the fallout from the Super League was asked to, to get an independent regulator. And what's funny actually about you saying that is that the Premier League have been pushing back quite a lot on that independent regulator. So uh, going from one uh, backwards company to another, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe this independent regulator does what the yeah, Premier League wants to get them on side. But uh, we'll see whether that happens. Um, well, yeah, and oh, I, I, yeah. I think with the amount of charges that they brought, obviously we said it's a four-year investigation and all the stuff that they printed on what City have apparently done wrong, they're going to really be pushing for some sort of punishment and I think it's going to be a heavy punishment um, because you kind of want to make an example out of it, don't you? If you're going to come this hard at a club, then if the punishment is just a slap on the wrist, five-point deduction or something, or ten, you know what I mean? Even, even if it's just like a 15-point deduction like what Juve got, I don't, City still come out not looking great in it, but I mean, the Premier League hasn't like I don't know, made an example of a team to me in that case. We're just going to go again next season, you know what I mean? It's not going to change well, not, much in the long yeah, term. Not in terms of, you know, if they are found guilty of all 100 breaches and if, if the point, if the punishment for 100 breaches over nine seasons is a 15-point deduction in one season, then uh, I do get what you mean. It's not, the, it's not a deterrent that really will scare teams. It's almost like these transfer bans that aren't transfer bans because they get told it'll happen in 18 months so everybody just buys players in the next one and then doesn't for the next two or three, which has happened to Chelsea and Barca and Atletico and all these clubs. So, um, yeah, you'd think um, with the Premier League doing it, obviously to one of its own as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's a club that plays in the Premier League. Um, it's not a, an independent... I mean, it's not an independent body. It's not a, a vigilante who's got a vendetta against City or a foreign paper like the Spiegel, like we've seen before. It's the Premier League uh, and they've done a four-year uh, investigation. So it, I agree with you, Jim. I mean, right now on the face of it, it seems like, you, you, you know, the punishment is going to be maybe not the heaviest one. I think relegation from the Premier League is like... I mean, it was massive when that happened to Rangers and, you know, it's happened to Juventus. I mean, but how many times you can count on one hand the amount that's happened in European football where things like have happened, but maybe a heavy fine, some sort of heavy points deduction from the start of a season and also missing out on Champions League or whatever. Uh, you know, it could could hurt City for the for the next few years. And especially if they then have to actually write down the sponsorships and wages properly, it might actually hurt them from from having a super squad of 23 players all the time. So, well, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. Well, well, it looks like they've been really squeaky clean, really, from 17, 18. Like, there's no cases after that. And that, I think that's why the time bad stuff would be way for... We got away with it because they kind of... Because they kind of just like... And and City haven't spent as big, have they, in the last four or five seasons? Which, if you notice which, it, like what we we've yeah, no. positive for net spending like two of the past like three windows, which is mad for City because we yeah, but we don't really have any sellable assets and um but we don't have our best players, do we? Yeah, City keeping that squad happy though would be maybe explained a bit more if we did find out that all the wages were actually double and another 100% were coming from a Abu Dhabi consultancy or something like that. That would maybe make sense why they have two 11s that could get top four, but nobody ever really kicked up a fuss. I know we've had Cat and Cancelo, but even after that, well, yeah, allegedly. But it's all, all allegedly. Yeah, <laughs> all, all, all this was like pretty much before Pep. So, I mean... Well, that's, that's, that's also did, did what we I was going to say. 
Nine did we have years. the big squad? Did we have the big squads in Pellegrini and Mancini areas? I don't, I don't think we did. Like the last four or five seasons, yeah, we have had the. You have looked at a City B team and thought that could probably finish second. It's that good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, suppose, the, I suppose on the flip side of that, though, which I mean, a quote's come back out today about how ardent against any of this Guardiola is, especially if he's been lied to, as he would feel he is, if any of any of these breaches are true from basically what was said about a year ago. Um, it seems funny that uh, 12 months into it was 16, 17, wasn't it? So from 17, 18 onwards, City have done things properly. Uh, you know, a year into having Guardiola, it seems a little bit coincidental that that's happened. Yeah, so I mean, to, to what to what he said, uh, what you sent me a quote was saying, if he's been lied to, he'll leave the club, and I think that's fair enough on him. Um, I think that's a very fair statement. And just like going off on a different tangent as well, looking from a different angle of all this, is it doesn't look good for the Premier League either. So it's not like they're going to want to relegate City or take all this, or like punish City, for example, because... The Premier League's never been as big as it has in the past four or five seasons. You, the gap from the Premier League to other leagues, I think, is just growing and growing every single season. And from the past five, six seasons, City have been the dominant club in the Premier League. They've won four of the five, four of the five past Premier Leagues. They've won all the domestic trophies. So it doesn't look good to them either. So, I mean, they must have a case, I think. Yeah. yeah, well, City's, City's statement was quite uh, calm, wasn't it? It didn't really throw any shots back or anything like that. It was a little bit not it took ages as little, well. Took a, ages a little bit, a little, a little bit like a dog with its tail between his legs, just kind of like, all right, well, we thought we'd help with giving you all that information, but you know, let's try and get this right once and for all. Is basically all it said. Let's put this to bed. But um, we'll see. I mean, let's mm. we, we won't stay on it for ages because I'm sure this will be something that maybe comes up on the pod monthly with the new reports and new, you know, or they can report it, they can appeal it. No, they can't. They can, mm-hmm. you know, all these changes that will happen. I'm sure we'll end up covering this mm-hmm. probably monthly until whatever is decided is decided. Avengers assemble to all them lawyers from last time, Jim. Just Pep throwing his like little Doctor Strange time warps, whatever it is, on your left cap, and they all just come out. No, no, just off thing. It does feel a little bit like uh, in in Phantom of the Menace when uh, Phantom Menace when uh, Qui Gon Jinn says there's always a bigger fish. I mean, City are, are a club inside the Premier League, and the Premier League itself is twenty teams, and it is the closest it is. So City bring fifty lawyers, and the Prem will bring fifty one, maybe. So we'll see. Oh, the Premier have more than us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the best fucking Avengers film ever, this. So, sticking in Manchester now, the Red Half of Manchester, United have won 13 in a row at Old Trafford, a very impressive feat, but it could have gone very, it could have gone very much titsed up when Casemiro decided to choke slam, well, try and get Will Hughes up for a choke slam, but Will Hughes pressed triangle and reversed it. So thank thank God for, for Will Hughes in that one. It was. But, he, he timed the reversal well on that one. Definitely. Just as triangle came did. up, he pressed it. He did. Um, he did. Yeah. I mean, the red card, I mean, we'll talk about that first, but it, it was a red card. Um, although a lot of the talk is afterwards, I mean, coming from Wright, Shearer and Lineker on match of the day was that they thought it was harsh. And even in that brawl or melee, whatever you want to call it in particular, there's a few that have got hands near throats and uh, it's Casemiro that gets sent off. But if you're going to do it for that, then you could have seen three or four players leave at the same time. So, um, yeah, unfortunate. 
unfortunate in a sense for that reason, but also fortunate that United have had have three league games before the cup final against Newcastle. So I suppose it times it well and Barcelona first leg in the Europa League slotted in there too. So maybe a little nice nice rest for Casemiro who's played almost every game since the World Cup. So um, it could could work out for us in our favour. And like you say, we did manage to hold on, which in itself is is an accomplishment because United teams have definitely the second half of last season, there's no way we end up there. Uh, winning that game we, we we bottle it at some point but I mean yeah going back to the 13 wins in a row at Old Trafford it's the most since Fergie retired and uh, yeah United, United the, the the vibes and feelings around United are, are good at the moment and uh, yeah it feels a bit like I'm in, in high school again with the vibes around United being good and City not really knowing what they're doing uh, um, but yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see how it goes it could change suddenly, but I mean, yeah, the football that we're playing, the togetherness, I mean, I suppose the positive from that Casemiro, if you can take anything out of it, is the fact that all these players jumped in, you know, if you can take anything at all. Whereas I remember against Liverpool last season where Ronaldo kicked off at Curtis Jones, I think only Bruno ran over. Uh, and little little things like that, I think, just show the change in, in mentality, change in attitude at United. But yeah, third in the, third in the league, we're still in... Uh, we're in the FA Cup, uh, we're in the League Cup final and obviously we've got that game against Barca coming up. So still a lot of games left for United. Uh, we're playing Leeds next and, and Jesse Marsh has just been sacked today. Um, although I've heard that Chris Armas is taking over those two games and if it's anything like how he was as Ralph Rangnick's right-hand man last season, then uh, we might continue our trend of scoring at least four goals against Leeds. So uh, hopefully that is the case. But yeah, very rosy for United at the moment. Um and yeah, we hopefully we keep rolling on and uh, solidify that top four place because ultimately that's the bread and butter this season. You want your top four. And if we end up adding the FA Cup or League Cup, Europa League to it, then that would be a little cherry on top of that. But at the moment, I'm just uh, bread and butter. Stick to your bread and butter. Get that get that top four, get back in the Champions League where we feel like we belong. Yeah. And um, Jim, just going on back to Casemiro, he's been involved in quite a lot of stuff in a lot of tackles and stuff like that. Do you think that with United's lack of depth in that position with Van der Beek being injured and then just the lack of a natural DM for them, that he does need to rein it in a little bit and just be a bit more streetwise? Because I wouldn't have really thought that he'd do what he did to get the red card. I thought if he's going to get red card, he's going to absolutely like lift someone or something. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I mean, he should have been sent off against Palace two weeks ago um, when he got the yellow card for it and got banned for the Arsenal game. Um but I think Casemiro, honestly, is one of the most streetwise players in world football. Um, it reminds me a lot of Fernandinho. Um, the way they just crop someone on the halfway line, they'll absolutely take you on and just start smiling and pick you up after it. And the ref will think, oh, they're sound, so <laughs> I won't book him. Um, but even, I remember Fernandinho at Chelsea, Cook for some reason, just pushed Seth Fabregas over at Hoarding. Sometimes players just lose the reds. And... I think Stan pointed out rightly that he falls quite well for him. I mean, Leeds twice, they're on form, one of the worst teams in the league, and then Leicester at home, who are not great as well. And Sibitza came on and um, impressed, and I thought even though he's not started many games this season, I think Fred has been really good under Tenag as well. So I think United will be fine form-wise, and then Casemiro gets a good rest and comes back for the Carabao Cup final. So... I would say it was stupid from Casemiro, but ultimately United won the game and I think they will be fine. So 
yeah mm. um and he's been brilliant now i say since he's come in i mean he surprised me because of his age and stuff and i remember watching him in the champions league final i didn't think he still had them kind of performance in him but he was unreal against Liverpool, and he's kind of just played like that for united this season as well yeah typical uh South American fire, I suppose you could say, where, you know, as good as they are, they, they have that in them. Uh, but yeah, Casemiro's been around the block uh, enough times to know that, you know, you can't put your hands anywhere, you know, that close to anybody's face, no matter whether he could argue he wasn't trying to strangle him, he was trying to grab his shirt or whatever. It's His hands are too high and, and on that basis, an appeal wouldn't wouldn't work. Um, although I was surprised, uh, probably the most surprising start I've heard this weekend, and that was his first ever career red card. So for a guy who spent, you know, played hundreds of games at defensive midfield and we've seen him legging people up for fun in the Champions League. Uh, yeah, his first first career red card, that was. I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to watch the tackles that he's got away with. I remember about oh, yeah. six in the Champions League final. I didn't get booked once. Yeah. He's one of those players where he knows when to do it and where to do it and he'll mix it between different players and stuff like that. And yeah. And I think, he knew, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I think he knew he'd fucked up on, on the weekend because after it all kind of calmed down, he was trying to hug Will Hughes, who was having none of it. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah. me, I was probably thinking, oh, fuck's sake, why have I done that? <laughs> Try and be his yeah. mate again now. Did you see Will yeah, Hughes like giving it the six times to the crowd at United? I did, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Put him on a sunbed and he'll fucking disappear. So that's all I'm saying. I don't really understand that. Is he a Liverpool fan or something? He yeah, must be a Liverpool fan, I'm guessing. Be. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so fair play. He must have enjoyed that and then and then walking off with no points. So mm. but at least he, at least he got to put his fingers on. Um, it's that or he proper loves Babarama when he played for Chelsea. <laughs> I don't know which one it will be. Probably you don't know. Probably yeah. No, yeah. no 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 comment. Right, listeners, it is that time of the week. That music can only mean one thing. It is, of course, bet of the week. And we're going to start off Arsenal versus Brentford. We're going to go Arsenal to bounce back in this one from defeat at Goodison Park and beat Brentford. Then we're going to move down to Sellers Park, Crystal Palace versus Brighton. We're going to go both teams to score in that one. Then down to Craven Cottage, Fulham versus Nottingham Forest. We're going to go for both teams to score. No draw in this one. And then we're going to finish off Bournemouth versus Newcastle. We're going to go for a Newcastle away win in that one. So just to recap the bet of the week, Arsenal to beat Brentford, Crystal Palace, Brighton, both teams to score. Fulham versus Forest, both teams to score. No draw. And Newcastle to win away at Bournemouth. And Stan, what can the listeners do with that information? They can show it up the rackers. Right, welcome back, Cookie Podcast listeners, and we love this next topic so much. We've just been arguing out who's going to introduce the main man, <laughs> John Dyche, this weekend. Famously said, Stan, on Match of the Day, yes, how are you going to beat Arsenal? Best team in the league, you know? He's just going to stop him scoring at one end, and he's going to score at the other. And yep. what a way to do it. Dwight McNeil to James Tarkovsky, he's two old Burnley boys. And Everton look a completely different side after about three days. And that is just a testament to how good Sean Dyche is standing out because Everton were really impressive, weren't they, on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, uh, they look like a different team. I mean, I think I said it 10, 15 minutes in that like they looked absolutely miles apart from anything we've seen from Everton so far this season. Uh, and yeah, perfect for him. His two Burnley lads. Uh, I mean, I thought on... Uh, on Anna, is it Amadou? I always get mixed up between yeah, Amadou and so. Andres. 
Um, yeah, I thought he was brilliant. I absolutely ran the show against an Arsenal midfield that's ran the show against pretty much every other team and he did it on his own. Uh, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. But um, yeah, we saw that back post corner happen a few times and uh, Arsenal never cottoned on. I think Tarkovsky came close and on Anna as well uh, in the first half and and it happened again. And to be honest, I can't think of many moments, many clear moments for Arsenal. And, and like I say, the, they've been the t- uh, league's best team, obviously, so far this season with being first. But uh, yeah, they didn't really come close. And they did it 1 0. They stopped Arsenal scoring and they scored themselves. And 1 0 is enough. And uh, yeah, brilliant. I, I, I think he's great. I think it's great for the league to have him back. I think he's. He's just a great character, even if you you know you dismiss what his teams do on the pitch. It's just something completely different, and he's really, really good at doing it as well. So, yeah, very happy to have the uh, the ginger god back. Yeah, and um, and, and Cook, uh, Stan mentioned a few of them players there. I mean, I know Everton have had the struggles the past two seasons, and it's a bit of an overreaction to say that they're safe, or or, or is it? But Dash has never worked with players as talented because. Onana and just a gay midfield, like genuinely, like so so good in the dice team as well. That that want that pressing and that athleticism, and then at the back you've got Cody and Tarkovsky, who just look great together. So, yeah, is is it an overreaction to say that they're safe just based on watching Dice once? Yeah, it's probably an overreaction just because it's the Prem and you can never really judge anything. Anyone can beat anyone on the day, but he's. I very much got Everton back to basics. I don't know if you saw that he got rid of hats and snoods and stuff at the training ground because he said you train how you play and you don't train with 14 layers on. And so I don't know if you've seen that. So all the Everton players just straight away have just, apparently the Athletic was saying he's pissed off initially and now they've come around to it. He's done a bleep test as soon as he's got there. So he's he's very much running these, these lads. And that game, they ran 5K more than they had all season per game in that game just gone so it just shows immediately the effect of him like you've said and he flexed his tactical now a little bit because he played 4-3-3 in this game so it's interesting to see that he didn't go two banks of four Brexit or is that again just the the Facebook dad opinion with it we'll see well I I think that's the thing with Dice that's why I actually really like him I think he's more tactically astute than what people think. People just think he just puts four four two out there and just lumps it to the big man defence for his life. But yeah. Stan, we see, we seen a graphic, didn't we, at the end of the game, how narrow that midfield was. And they just mm. didn't... Because Arsenal obviously liked to play with the inverted full-backs with Zinchenko coming yeah. inside and Ben White coming inside. But they had no joy on the weekend, like you said before, Stan. They, they didn't really have any... All the chances were Everton's. We, like, the core should have scored. Calvert-Lewin should have scored before the opener as well. And yeah, I mean... Putting them midfielders very narrow, just it's one of them games where you kind of think of Arsenal being figured out a little bit. Is that what other teams are going to start doing against them? Because it was that yeah. that simple of a move. Yeah, yeah, they, they they press really well. They work really well as a unit, which is everything we've come to to know from a Sean Dyche team. But I mean, it's a fifteenth. Uh, another crazy stat is is the fifteenth manager in a row for Everton to not lose his first game in charge. So uh, we've seen it before with Everton, where they have this big uplift. Obviously, we know how good Goodison can be. We know how bad it can be, but it, given it's due, it can also be massive for that for that team. So um, we'll see where they go. But 
I, I just think now uh, they've got a guy in charge who will stop other teams scoring and will try and will, will score himself. I think that's the first thing Everton needed to do was get back to basics. And there's probably not many better in the Premier League at getting the basics sorted as quick as Sean Dyche. And we saw that at the weekend. So I think Everton will be fine, despite me uh, predicting them to go down. I think now they've made that decision with getting rid of Frank Lampard and bringing in Sean Dyche and... Uh, I think they'll be fine now. I, I really do. And I think with the money that Everton have spent, the squad that he've got, uh, they'll, they'll stay up. I think they might be able to grow under him as well, grow into that new stadium on the dock. Yeah, and Cook, next up for Sean Dice Everton, here's a feisty Monday night affair away mm. at Anfield. And just going off the last games this weekend, these are two sides that have gone in completely different directions just based off that one week. Man, it's mad, isn't it? I, is it? Is it mad to say? I think that they'll win at Anfield. Well, if if they win, I think they're only five or six points off Liverpool. Which yeah, is they're eleven points eight, behind them now. Which oh is, oh is that now? 11, I think, okay, 11, that's yeah. Quite, okay, that's quite a lot anyway. But yeah, like you Doesn't say, matter. Everton have got a genuine chance of winning at Anfield on Monday night, and they never win at yeah. Anfield. Yeah, they're hard to beat, and that's what Dyche will make you do. If 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 he'll do anything for your football club, he'll make you hard to beat, and and that's the the foundation of any club trying to get out of the shit in the bottom three in the prem. And 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 like Stan said, it they eventually, if they give him the time, and Mashiri slash Usmanov, whoever's actually in charge, isn't trigger happy and gets rid of him, then. Everton will flourish under this manager because he knows what he's doing, doesn't take any shit. And now I hope he gets to flex his tactical knowledge because he's been out of the game a while. He's he's done a lot of studying. He's 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 been a student for a little bit now. And I'd like to see what he's learned. And hopefully with this Everton team, he's got the tools to get him out of the shit. And then next year, when Everton don't really have a lot of money to spend with FFP, who better to ball on a budget, so to speak, than Dyche? Yeah, a manager who's pretty much signed Stephen Defoe and Maxwell Cornet for anything over like ten million or something like that. And Gems. I, I think it'll be really interesting to see what kind of player Sean Dyche goes for because he's going to have more money to spend at Everton than he ever did at Burnley. And I yeah. think he's already got some of them players at Everton, which are like Calvert Lewin is the ultimate Sean Dyche striker to me. Um, and if mm. he can get back to what he was. Like that first season, like I think it's Benitez's first season when he just seemed to score every game until he got injured. Inzaghi, um, yeah, always. Oh, it, it was Ancelotti, wasn't you called him Inzaghi yeah. that season? Yeah, <laughs> that, that 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 season. If he can get back to like that, then Everton will be rocking and rolling because they're, they're struggling for goals. But yeah, it's really. I think it's a bit exciting times for Everton, and they've obviously made the right choice, haven't they? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, just going back to Liverpool as well. You've got. I mean, the vibes are totally different now. I mean, a week ago, they were probably similar, but I think with the two results, like you said, Jim, from this weekend, uh, Everton are going to be bouncing uh, and, and Liverpool are struggling. I think Everton will go into that game and, and his first thought will probably be don't lose because let's be honest, if, if you could have offered him four points from Arsenal at home and Liverpool away, you would have absolutely took it. And it sounds mad, but I think Liverpool and Klopp's first thing, first thought will be don't lose as well because if they lose to this this Everton side, it could you could start losing some fans that probably never thought they'd turn on Klopp uh, with some of these these results. I mean, you see the idiots on Twitter turning, but I'm talking about maybe you know match going fans, people you know that are going to the ground and and you know local fans, whatever. Uh, but 
Yeah, it's crazy. The, vi- the vibes are different. Klopp, you've got a guy who, who's fresh as a daisy, like Cook said in Sean Dyche, who's gone off and had his sabbatical uh, in Benidorm or wherever he's gone with his mates. Uh, and you've got Jurgen Klopp, who, who honestly looks like he hasn't had a wash since before the World Cup started. So, um, they get the, yeah, it's completely different vibes going into this game. And I mean, who would have thought before that Arsenal game that we'd be looking at Everton going to Anfield and thinking, you know what, if either team's going to win, it might actually be them. So, yeah, it's mad, mad how quick things change in football. Yeah, and, and Cook, it's just, it's an, I guess it's a nice segue because he's going to speak about Liverpool. I mean, yeah, yeah, Klopp looks knackered. I mean, Liverpool look out of ideas. And I think no one in the right mind would say, seriously, Klopp out. But surely there's questions to be asked of what he's doing at Liverpool this season. Um, because, yeah, they've been beat free just since the turn of the new year they've been beat 3-0 by Brian and Wolves and then 3-1 by Brentford I mean they're shocking results aren't they yeah the bad results for Liverpool and given where they were two games off doing a quadruple last year they've fallen off a cliff and I think that's fair to say and it's not as black and white just to say as Mane left that was a massive factor but they've got no midfield and it's the recruitment's been a joke I think in that position it's a, a position where it's needed identifying for a while. They went and got Fabinho and then they went and got an injury prone Thiago, who I love as a footballer anyway, but he needs people around him and that's not possible. But going back to Klopp, I just think that no one's unsackable. And I was on about it to Brenda the Pod Dunny the other day and I was saying maybe it has gone a little bit stale for Klopp in Liverpool. And he was saying that he refuses to change system or anything like that. And I just think that Long term, that might cost him a lot of people at Liverpool because trophies only get you so much goodwill in the bank. And I think that slowly that is running out for Klopp and he, he needs to change because I, th- I think with Liverpool trying to sell the club, they will try and cut costs wherever they can and getting rid of Jurgen Klopp cuts costs and it wouldn't surprise me. It really wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing that would send alarm bells off for me if I was a Liverpool fan it is the fact that when he's been asked what's going wrong, he, he's literally said, I can't explain it. And, and that, that sounds to me like a guy who's given up, really. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to leave next week, but I think if he turned around and maybe we've, we've seen deluded Klopp excuses, but if he went, oh, he's injured and he's injured and this and the fixture list and this and that, fans might be able to go, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I agree with you. But when your manager's going, I don't know, like, what is a fan supposed to do to get behind that? They've got nothing. If the manager in charge of the club is saying, I don't know what's going wrong, and like looking exasperated in interviews on the touchline, I don't know, like, how a fan can get behind the team or, you know, how maybe Klopp can even come back from it. Because like you said, Cook, FSG will cut money where they can. We don't know what's happening with this takeover, what type of takeover, partial, when it's going to happen, how it happens. Is there going to be an injection of money? How soon is that going to be? Is the squad going to be too far gone? Because you look at it, you've got 30-odd-year-olds and then you've got your Harvey Elliott's and your Fabio Carvalho's in there. In the middle, you've got nothing in there in your prime years. Is Klopp going to want to stay? He's in his seventh year. Does he want to rebuild again? He might not too. These are all questions that I'm sure he's thinking about. And from the outside looking in, he does look like a guy who's probably going to phone it in at the end of the season if he even gets there. Yeah, and we'll we'll speak to someone who definitely hasn't been phoning it in post-World Cup, and that's Harry Kane, Tottenham's new record goal scorer, Jim. A guy that was deemed a one-season wonder back back in the day is, is, again, like we've said, he's making Premier League history just as well as 
Spurs history has joined the 200 club with Wayne Rooney and Alan Shearer. So what do you think of Harry Kane's rise to the top, Jim? And do you think that he can catch Shearer? Yeah, he'll catch Shearer. Um, I think he's, he's this far into staying at Spurs and extending and not forcing himself out of the club. I mean, he tried a little bit to join City in the other season, <laughs> but I feel like that's his goal now and that will be his legacy, whether he wins a trophy or not. I actually, I do think he deserves it. He's one of them players that deserves the trophy. I think I, he reminds me of when you watch like a <clears throat> Steven Gerrard and I think he's one of the league's best midfielders ever but never won a trophy. So it comes back when you think of all the arguments of who's the best midfielder ever, it always comes back to Warren Gerrard that, and I think it'll come back to Warren Kane. But in the same sentence... Kane's legacy is now Spurs' all-time top goal scorer, 200 club, England's all-time top goal scorer, and I think in a few years will be the all-time Premier League top goal scorer. Trophies or not, he will be remembered as one of the greatest players in Premier League history, and rightly so. Um, so yeah, whether he breaks the record at Spurs, I don't know about that. But yeah, <clears throat> I mean, he's brilliant, and there's nothing more you can say about him. I mean, yeah, one of the strikers ever that I've ever seen. Yeah, he definitely is. And there's a lot of comparisons between him and Rooney, completely different players. But I think that that 200 club stand is such an exclusive club to be in. And Kane, again, who's on about his rise, it's just mad how he's there, isn't it? Just considering where he's been out on loan and he, he didn't really hit it off there. And mm-hmm. obviously he is what he is now. It's just it's mental. Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough... People forget, obviously, because Shearer played for Blackburn and Newcastle, but they were clubs that won the league and Newcastle for, I think, two or three years in a row finished second and third. So they were a team that was up there. They were 11 points clear at one point by about March. And, and you know, they, they were a team that were challenging for titles. So he was in one of the best teams in the league for three or four seasons of his career. I don't think Kane's ever had that. Rooney, you know, is obvious. We know that. We've seen him. But they're, they're the other two that are in the 200 club with him. So... Really, really exclusive group. I mean, can you question his his mentality maybe? Because it's not like Spurs are the only team in the Premier League. He could have gone to City. There's a, United are going to be in for a striker this summer. Does he want to stay? Does he? You know what I mean? He can still break the record at United. He's broken the Spurs one. Could he come to United or, or go to City or Chelsea? I mean, that would really ruin your Spurs legacy, so I can't see that one happening. But he can still break it at another club. It's just whether he really wants that FA Cup, League Cup on top, does he even deem that as worth leaving Spurs for at all? Because you can go anywhere and there's no guarantee of a Premier League or a Champions League. And they're ultimately the two that the elite players are judged on. Um, so we'll see, but I agree with Jim. I think if he finishes Premier League top scorer, England top scorer, Spurs top scorer, even if he doesn't win a trophy, people will look back at him and go, they'll have that in their argument. Uh, you know, you'll go, well, he's one of the best ever because he's a Premier League top scorer. That's what Shearer's had for years despite only winning a Premier League and that was pretty much it. So I think it'll do for Mr Kane as well. And it's, and it, and it's admir- it'd be admirable looking back as well that he stayed at one club. And I know exactly. he's had his, I know he had his things where he, he didn't play against City um, the other season when he was meant to come to us. But, I mean, Gerard, Gerard nearly joined Chelsea, didn't he? But people don't, rem- re- people don't remember that when you're just looking back and thinking of him, they'll think, oh yeah, he stayed at Spurs and did all that. I mean, fair folks, because that doesn't happen a lot in modern football. 
Right, listeners, so it is that time of the pod, the time where we do have to love you and leave you. But if you want to stay in touch with the Cookie Pod boys, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram using the handle Cookie Podcast, followed by the number one. If you want to follow us on TikTok, we are available on there. Just use the handle The T-H-E Cookie Podcast, and you'll find us on there. Pass the pods to your family and friends. Really helps us out. And give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast again. Really helps us out and gets more eyes on the pod been episode 166 and that's the way the cookie crumbles.